Finally, after three weeks, we're back. We are back. Welcome back to another episode of Twitching Upstream, which is uh, it's a cool uh, stepbrother or half-brother, sister uh, ordeal thing to Talking Upstream, which is our show that comes out every Sunday. What we do on that show is we uh, interview creators and we talk to people about uh, like what's going on and uh, how, what their process is making ideas. And, hello, Tina Marie. Hello, Jason Taylor. Uh, hello, Rick Flanagan. Um, now, uh, yeah, that's different. Uh, Dylan decided yeah. that he needed a standing desk because I had one at one point. Uh, he also wanted to show off some beautiful art that he obtained. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm currently uh, in my bedroom because I'm supposed to be doing laundry. Uh, so please don't tell anybody that I'm sneaking away and doing a show right now. <laughs> hey, I get, I get you for a few hours a week. That's true. I know. And, and, and that's why I tell everybody. I'm like, hey, look, Dylan yeah. deserves his time, too. Yeah. Um, but anyway, thank you very much for, for tuning in. Uh, at any time, if you have an idea where our story should be going, please just throw it in the chat and we will uh, most likely address it. And uh, if I don't agree with it, I will tell you as such. And oh, yeah. <laughs> also, um, oh, good question. What is that art? Uh, that is a poster for a short film called The Reward, which was made by a bunch of, I think, Norwegian film students back in 20, 2007 uh, about a Dungeons and Dragons party, um, a warrior and a mage, and down here in a little corner is a, a note with a signature from the people who made the film, which uh, Zach found in a thrift store and so kindly gave to me, and he had no idea what he was handing over, so... no. No, yeah. I saw it. I was like, that is dope, whatever it oh. is. And I did research. I'm like, I can't find this. There'll, uh, be, a, there'll and, be a picture up on the uh, Talking Upstream Instagram after the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Jason Teller, uh, thank you very much for not telling anybody that um, I, I'm not interested in having that conversation today. If I literally turned the camera just a little bit this way, it would just be disgusting. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so what we do on this show is we take an idea that we came up with on Talking Upstream uh, with a guest, with somebody uh, interesting that one of us absolutely is in love with or uh, whatever. Um, and then we break it down and we show people how we take that very weird idea, which is sometimes a text message or just something I jotted down on a napkin and almost threw away, but decided to text Dylan instead. And then how we take that and turn it down into a podcast or a movie or blah, 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 blah. Uh, Dylan's been working on a board game, which is turning out very, very cool. Uh, so there's a lot of things going on. Um, until we get a couple more people in the chat, we do have some nerd news, if that's okay with everybody. I love uh, uh, gossiping about media and uh, people that have way more money than I'll ever have. Oh, um, and I like and I like to talk about it. Uh, some of my nerd stuff, I like to talk about Star Wars. And I'm not sure if you recently saw this, but uh, Brie Larson is uh, trying to get out of her contracts uh, with Marvel. She's no longer interested in playing Captain Marvel. She's trying to hop into the Star Wars universe. Now, 
if you had to pick a character in the Star Wars universe that has not been shown on screen yet, do you are, are you familiar with like Star Wars lore or the comics or legends or anything? Legends, relatively yes. Um, yeah. Not not the new stuff so far. I'm not watching Bad Batch. I might get into it. I didn't see any of the new Clone Wars stuff. Um, I'm yeah. more like movie, like prime continuity kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, apparently she's in talks to, uh, to play Mara Jade, which in the mm. comics and a lot of the, the books is Luke's wife. And yeah. they have a couple kids together, and she is a badass uh, force wielder, and I'm yeah. excited for that to happen. That's an interesting and, choice. Yeah, and I, I would like to see that, because I, I like that character. I think that she's great, and watching how awesome they displayed Rey as a character, uh, obviously flawed as the writing got eventually, but I'm very interested in, in that arc of, of a character profile. Off, off the top of my head, I probably would have gone with Alison Brie over uh, Brie Larson. Hmm. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, she does a, she yeah. has a good, like, intense face. I think Alison Brie. Oh, sorry. Uh, I didn't know that. But yes, I completely agree. Star Wars is way better than Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> and uh, if you're interested in some of our other movie, you know, uh, points of view or feelings or reviews, we do have another show on Mondays and Fridays called Real Boys, where wow. we take the five of our favorite movies and some of our friends that we really just met, some comedians and other podcasters and some people that think they're famous, and we make fun of their favorite movies while also discussing the popular movies that come out recently. Uh, one of the upcoming movies that's coming out recently is Snake Eyes, which is another G.I. Joe spinoff. Uh, now, this is the origin story of a snake eye. Um, now, I have a quick question for you, Dylan. Uh, yeah. Snake Eyes famously does not talk. In this movie, it is an origin of how he gets to not talking. So how do you feel about a character that doesn't talk and all of a sudden talks? I really like the character trope of the silent character who only breaks the silence for plot-important revelations. Um, there is... Thank you, Red. There is... <laughs> A series by Glenn Cook from the late 80s called The Black Company. It's about a mercenary company in a fantasy world, and they kind of travel around and discover their origins. And one of their sorcerers in the mercenary company is nicknamed Silent because he took a vow of silence. Nobody knows why. And the only time he speaks in the entire series is a very, very important moment towards the end of the third book, which is like a climax. So I yeah. love that trope. I don't care about G.I. Joe. <laughs> I'm... I'm I, yeah, I know. Paint I'm, me as unpa I'm unpatriotic. Um, <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm, I'm glad that these things keep getting made because they. The I saw the first one in theaters, and that's a dumb action movie. And when I say dumb, I mean like ice sinking dumb. Yeah. Chunks of ice sinking in water dumb. Um, I don't think. Oh, who was the who was the who was Destro in that first one? It was the it was uh, the ninth doctor. It was Eccleston. Uh, I thought, I thought that was Joseph Gordon. Oh no, he was Cobra. He was Cobra. Uh, yeah, Christopher Eccleston Destro. was Destro, and he was so over the top. It was great, and I don't know if he's in the other ones. Um, I tell I you, Snake the Eyes is G. a Joe movie. Yeah, go ahead. The second G.I. Joe movie is pretty exciting. Uh, not very good. It is just exciting. That's pretty dumb on a scale of none to dumb. What is? Yeah. G.I. Joe or, ice, or oh. pieces of ice sinking beneath water. Oh, yeah, that is very dumb. Uh, 
I'm not sure if that's even scientifically accurate, but I wouldn't know that. Uh, uh, let's see. No yeah. recent decent fantasy movies. Uh, He's asking um, why we have three G.I. Joe movies and we don't have any good, like, name it? I don't know, because all the good yeah. fantasy went to television. Uh, it's because they keep freaking trying to remake stuff instead of coming up with yeah. new ideas. Uh, although I am pretty excited to see Dune coming out. Um I guess really the only sci-fi fantasy that we have coming up uh, is like, what Marvel is doing, uh, unfortunately. Uh, well, but Shadow and Bone, Shadow and Bone just came out, and I think that's a really decent fantasy television show. It's young adult, but yeah. it doesn't it it feels it feels authentic. It doesn't feel like a cynical like cash grab, and yeah. it looks really good. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, for for YA, it, it is good. It does even touch yes. into some adult a little bit. But um, uh, I I agree. I, I had a good time watching it on Netflix. And if, if you don't know, uh, I do a weird show on the Jeff Waskin show every Wednesday night called the Netflix Metrics, where I go over what America is watching on Netflix every single day. Goodbye, Tina. Thank you for stopping by. Mm. We appreciate you and the Purple Hearts. Um, Glad you're back too. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Yeah, your voice is definitely missed around here. Um. So, speaking of Marvel stuff, before we hop into what we do, uh, the Thor movie. I was actually looking over the cast list of this, and I realized that this is a huge movie. Uh, what 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 do you think can possibly happen in a movie that has, you know, obviously Chris Hemsworth and Natalie Portman, right? So you have Natalie Portman's mm -hmm. uh, partner, Darcy. You also have, uh, you have Thor's partner, like Korg, Meek, and Valkyrie. You're going to have the other Asgardians. We also know that half of Guardians of the Galaxy are going to show up. Uh, not to mention Sif is still there. You also have Russell Crowe playing, I think, Zeus. Um, you have Melissa McCarty playing somebody. We definitely have Matt Damon coming back. Uh, there's Sam so Neal. many people. Sam uh, Neill's coming back. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these are cameos or one scenes people like Sam Neill, the lesser Hemsworth and Matt Damon are all going to be cameos. I suspect because in the uh, Ragnarok, they played just like the theater troupe or something. Right. I don't think they're going to have actual parts unless they do the thing where it's like they were secretly an important character, which I don't, I don't think they're going to do, but yeah. um, I mean, we're getting to this point now where Disney and Marvel specifically are getting so saturated in big names that it's going to mm -hmm. start being difficult to like balance all of these people. And eventually they're going to have to start just trimming them, trimming it, you know, maybe. I mean, you, you have, uh, who, who, uh, who's, Chris, who's the main uh, bat? And it's uh, Gore the God killer, isn't it? Yeah. Christian, uh, Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. Yeah, Gore the God Killer. So, uh, which means you have a Taika Waititi crazy movie where we set up how wild Thor is, and then you're going to have real thick, hammy uh, Christian Bale coming in to be a very dramatic, uh, a very important and heartfelt character. It just seems like this movie is going to be so huge. And I don't understand it. The inclusion of like Zeus implies that they're probably going to go outside the Asgardian pantheon. So. Who knows? I mean, real. I mean, I suspect you're probably only going to see um, the Aesir in like a single scene where Gore the, to establish how powerful Gore the God Killer is. You know what I mean? Like the war where you do the wharf thing with the with the Norse gods. Yeah. Before they have to go to Asgard and deal with that. Um, I think we're probably going to get a situation similar to, and I'm going to call it right now, No Way Home, the new Spider-Man movie, where yeah. it's like. It, everybody thinks it's going to be this massive spanning thing, but I think most of the parts are going to be pretty bit. Yeah. Now, I don't think that do movie is going to be nearly as big as people think it's going to be either. 
Do you know anything about Gore the God Hunter? Very, very little. Yeah. So um, I guess I'm not sure. I'm not going to go into it. We don't have a lot of time for that. But basically, he has this necro sword, which is kind of uh, the spirit of Null, who is the reason that there are symbiotes out there. So the sword oh. that uh, the Gore holds is part symbiote, which uh, could be a way that they start bringing in weird stuff into the uh, the other universe. Hmm. I, I don't really know. Um, I knew oh. this was going to be a controversial one. Huh. Okay. So, A, I love Jojo Rabbit. Absolutely. B, I will say that Ragnarok, as a MCU movie, is one of the best ones out there because of what Taika did uh, within the restraints. I don't know if... <laughs> I hope that Ragnarok doesn't take anything away from Jojo Rabbit because that, that is a beautiful little gem of a movie. Um if, okay. if that's an issue, then just watch Hunt for the Wilder People and you'll get that respect right back. That movie's fantastic. Yeah, or even what? Uh, Eagle versus Shark? Eagle versus Shark, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and then obviously I, I think the one person that is not going to show up in the Thor movie is Loki. I think because of his spinoff series, he's got a little too much to do. And I think it would make the show feel weird if Loki showed up in that movie. Um, and do, you have any, do you have any ideas on, on the Loki show? Do you have any thoughts on that? When does that start? I had the impression that they were going to do WandaVision one week, Falcon Winter Soldier one week, Loki, but they're clearly not. Yeah, so it's the June 9th is when that starts. So we have a couple oh. of weeks. They wanted to let a little Star Wars uh, time sink in and, oh, and give okay. the Bad Batch a little bit of airtime. Okay. Um, they're, they're trying to revitalize the Star Wars universe through Dave Filoni. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm curious about the Loki series because it's a different version of Loki that we know. It's a Loki who hasn't had all the character development. And yeah, I, I love I love that comment. I think it'd be so cool if he showed up in DCU. Now, if you don't know about what Loki, what that show is going to, you're gonna go through different universes of Loki. Yeah. You're gonna get, you know, girl Loki, you're gonna get President Loki, you're gonna get all the nasty Lokis, uh, you're gonna get a bunch of weird stuff while the regular Loki they were following is changing up the the history books, uh, kind of the way uh, I guess Legends of Tomorrow does. They they better do gender swap Loki at some point just because oh, it's yeah. such a major part of not only the Marvel character but the mythological character. Yeah, is... female Loki will 100% show up there. Like I, Loki I, has put... kids in Norse mythology. Like kids are a giant wolf and a woman who's half dead, but still. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh no, he uh, she she will 100% show up and I'm excited about yeah. that. Um all right, do you happen to have any nerd news you want to go over before we hop into what we're getting into today? Uh, the Green Knight trailer dropped last week. Yes, if you haven't seen I that. I am pumped for that movie. I'm going to go to yeah. the theaters for that one probably. Yeah, which is one of the few ways that you can get like an authorian tale that I'm interested yes. in uh, whatsoever. So I'm, I'm really glad that, that, that especially A24, with the talent and the money that they can get to do beautiful things, uh, so, so cool. I mean, Love and Thunder is going to have Natalie Portman take up the hammer, allegedly. So, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And if you don't know, <laughs> Natalie Portman, uh, her character has... Um, she has a form of cancer. Every time she becomes Thor, uh, cancer goes away. Whenever she stops becoming Thor, uh, she goes back into remission and stuff. So it's it's a pretty terrifying tale. And yeah. I think they're going to really get into that. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah, also that Dave, you know, Dave Batista is showing up in that Army of the Dead movie. Um, and he's a star. He has, 
He's a stalker. He also has recently come out and saying that he is not going to be Drax the Destroyer anymore. Uh, he will not play that character anymore. And I think that means that, that character will be retired, right? You, you can't recast that character, can you? No, you can't. And I honestly, I think Drax's shtick got old. Yeah, like, I agree. He, like, in the first Guardians, he was a pretty straight character. Like, he was weird because his race doesn't understand idioms. But as it went on, he just became just straight comic relief, which yeah. is the unfortunate just kind of like problem that a lot of these characters undergo as you go through more like stuff yeah yeah i agree uh okay so what we do on the show like i said earlier and once again anytime if you think that our story should go in a different way if you think a character should be different or we should ask me just go ahead and throw it in the comments that's totally cool that's the way that our brains work uh dylan and i both have attention deficit issues uh and we need we need constant uh yelling and ideas to make anything work um okay so what I'm like a shark if i stop moving i die <laughs> Yeah, if I stop talking, uh, people don't think about me anymore, and I can't have that. Um, so, uh, what we've been going on over the last couple of weeks here is we've been going over this concept of Phantom Limb, and I'm going to get let Dylan kind of go over uh, the process that we've taken to get where we are, and then what we're going to do with the rest of the time today. Yeah, so what we do on Talking Upstream and Twitching Upstream in the early days, I'm going to uh, pop the screen up right now. This is our development document for the Phantom Limb story. You can find it on, I think, episode two of Twitching Upstream, where it's effectively the idea of a surgeon who gets uh, kidnapped by a cult slash gang in order to magically, surgically enhance their foot soldiers. Um, this first bit is just the summary that we came up with during the actual episode itself. It's real simple, line by line. This happens because that this happens. Then this happens. Because they can't do that, this happens. That's how it goes. Then we used a method from uh, a, not a book called uh, Save the Cat, which is a pretty well-regarded film writing manual about sp splitting up into beat sheets. Uh, movie beats are the individual plot points that you'll generally see. If you're describing a movie to someone where you're, you go like, you know, and then Thor gets kidnapped and teleported to this, you know, planet, the planet or something with a, it's been a while since I've seen that. That's what a beat is. It's, it's an individual part of a story you use to describe the story to someone. Uh, Save the Cat outlines 15 specific beats, such as the opening image where you kind of establish what the movie is about, the theme of the movie is stated, which establishes the stakes, the catalyst, which is the inciting incident, which is what you generally hear people refer to it as, all the way down to the final image, which mirrors the first while showing how the main characters changed. We took those beats and we put them in scene breakdown. Um, usually the recommendation, the new school recommendation, is actually nine beats. Each beat has three scenes and each scene should be about three pages. It gives you about a 90 page script, which is what you want for a feature. We're doing a little bit of an older school approach, so this is just a little weirder, um, which is fine. We're, am we're, we're, in we're amateurs. I'm amateur, mm -hmm. at least. Um, so over the past few episodes, we've been just spinning the story out into something that is far, far more in-depth. Um, you can see here that, um, <laughs> yeah, Red here is suggesting that uh, we have a Cincinnati tour guide as a character who only explains stuff to the characters in the movie and therefore the audience as to why it's interesting enough to be a setting. Um, yep. We Cincinnati, I think, because A... I don't think I ever want to set anything in New York City ever again. I'm tired of it. New York, <laughs> New York City and San Francisco or L.A. 
Yeah, I'm bored. I'm bored of those settings. You have enough. Yeah, me there, too. There are, there are moral monuments that you can destroy. Moral landmarks you can go for. Yeah. Um And I grew up in Ohio. Cincinnati is fine, but it's a big city, and it's diverse enough that you can have a pretty good cast of characters in it. Um, it's not like Cleveland, where the uh, river caught on fire, which is unfortunate. But hey, what are you gonna do? Anyway. <laughs> So uh, we spent the last few episodes just kind of like going through these scenes and picking out individual images, maybe lines, spending a little bit of time developing these characters so that when we sit down and actually get the script kind of pounded out, we have an outline that we could stick to. Um, and then eventually at some point, we hope to do a table read for you folks that you can get at a later date. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah, this is just yeah. a development meeting that you guys are able to sit into and kind of toss your own comments in and we can integrate or ignore them as we go. Um, yeah, easily. I, I can be a, I can be a, I can have a cameo as the tour guide in the establishing shot. Why not? Yeah. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah, um, sure. Okay. So what do you, the, what we got to do for the rest is finish up the rest of the story and then kind of hit some real key plot points on this. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of, I guess, uh, wrap this thing up in a way where we can come back to it quickly, open it back up, and uh, knock it out, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're here All right, for. Cool. All right, so, so 17. Yeah. Right? So, you just want to hop into it? Yeah, let's just do it. Uh, right, cool. I'm going to hit the previous beat just to remind people where we were, because it's been a few weeks. So yeah. uh, we have a surgeon. He took a Hippocratic Oath, which is why he is so good at doing surgeries. He's never lost anybody. Uh, a magic-slash-occult gang in Cincinnati uh, realizes that their boss has been cursed. So they are kidnapping this doctor so that he can remove the curse and then they keep him around, because you don't want a doctor to be out there talking about the truth behind how your gang took up so much territory. Yeah. Uh the surgeon, his name is uh, Thaddeus Cole, meets up with Hidalgo a few times. Hidalgo has a little like apprentice who is upset that he seems to be replacing her with Cole. Uh, so there's some tension there. We have Chaz, the little like demon and the enforcer who eventually becomes more demonic and will eventually uh, lead a coup against the leader. We have a few different uh, Cincinnati street gangs, including ghost smugglers, D and D style like rogues. Um, Werewolf gangs, fish people who live in the uh, river and they have reverse scuba suits. Yeah. And uh, we're getting up to, let's see. Cole's been offered a spot with the gang. He's like, hey, you paid my family to make up for the fact that they think I'm dead. I guess I'll do what you need me to do. Uh, he has a little spat with the other surgeon. And here we are. This is a, um, this will be scene 17. Cole does more surgeries. He goes on more ride-alongs. He grows closer to Hidalgo. Renee starts getting jealous and worried that she'll be replaced. Cole gets a reputation among the gangsters as a good guy, and there's some implication they might respect him more than they respect Hidalgo. Hidalgo watches him with suspicious eyes. So this is um, spun out from a beat called Fun and Games in Save the Cat, where the character has kind of grown accustomed to where they are, and you see them find their footing. Um, so if we have any specific images that we can put him in, this is where they would go. Um, yeah. It would be things like perhaps there's a scene where the gangsters are, they invite him to do something. Maybe they all go out. I mean, they got to socialize at some point, right? Maybe they invite him somewhere. 
Yeah, I feel like this scene has to be the thing where um, it is a gathering where everyone's together. Somebody gets hurt, and it's not even something that, that Cole would need to do, but he just helps out uh, just because he now is part of the, the the crew. So I do like the idea of like a, like a gathering or even like a company party. He helps them move. <laughs> yeah, and then somebody just twists their ankle, and he just helps them with that. <laughs> Yeah, he helps with minor, some minor injuries. I, I like the idea of him at some sort of social event. Maybe they're playing cards and they invite him to play like poker with them. Yeah, like he was doing something, and as he's leaving, they're all like playing cards, hanging out, and they're like, "Hey, why don't you hop on here?" And uh, maybe that's kind of thing. The experience in Cincinnati. Go for it. All right, so character-based episode, Cole kicks back, rides the Cincinnati subway, gets a Cincinnati hot dog, goes to the world-famous skyscraper, crosses the suspension bridge to the big hillside sign, etc. I like that. Um, I think the one, I don't know what a Cincinnati hot dog is, but I have heard of Cincinnati spaghetti, and that kind of freaks me out. Yeah, it's, not well, really. Why? I mean, it's spaghetti with chili. Yeah, it's yeah, meat you know, sauce. It's actually, it doesn't freak me out. I just I don't I don't understand it, but I I would eat it. Yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's like a, it's, it's different. Therefore, it's scary. Yeah, I just I yeah I don't I honestly don't even know why I said scary. It's it's a fine dish. It seems like a lazy morning after kind of dish, which I think yeah, sure. Cincinnati is like a lazy morning after kind of city. It's like oh yeah yeah we probably should have did that. Let's take care of that. Every time I've woken <laughs> up in Cincinnati, I've been hungover. That's not That's a lie. True. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know you, you talk about Cincinnati very, very fondly. Um, all right. So the gangsters invite Cole to a poker game. The gangsters talk about how Hidalgo is a boss, so he never hangs out with them. Uh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. And then Cole, Cole just befriends them. Uh, now, we do need something in this scene that lets, Cole, uh, lets the, I guess, the gangsters know that Cole's a little more on their side, right? Like, he's a little more friendly. Is that what we're looking for? Or just, yeah. or just basic camaraderie is what we're looking for. Um, we need to have the thought in the audience's mind that Cole might have a realistic chance at deposing the crime boss. So yeah. we could have him somehow, like, maybe he's just looking to not make any of them uncomfortable. And he's like, he tries to defend it all go and then winds up just kind of like acquiescing to them being like, yeah, I know interacting with a manager is always really strange. And he tells a story about something that happened with like a hospital administrator. Yeah. I, I like that. I also like the idea of maybe that the gangsters here are giving Cole some m maybe more intimate information. Like, hey, just you know, we checked on your kids and they're they're fine. We gave them some more stuff, and they didn't have to do that. But maybe letting the audience know that the gang is kind of getting more on Cole's side in case like a coup does happen, or no? Yeah. No. Yeah. That's that. Like you know, it's you know, we work for him, but you're really cool. And then he yeah. has that moment where he goes, "Wait a minute, yeah." Cool. I'm into that. Um, and then is there more you want to get out of the scene? Because like, obviously Hidalgo has to come by there. And then they're like, hey, boss, why don't you come in too? And he's like, no, we have to work. Maybe. Um... Or is Hidalgo just watching over like a uh, closed caption television? No, I think um, what if they were on another like job? or something like a mission and you see some of the gangsters defer to Cole instead of Hidalgo and then they catch themselves. Oh, that's cool. Like something happens and they have to like, Oh, we should call Hidalgo to go, well, what, what, what would Cole do? 
or maybe like that kind of thing. Is that giving him too much clout in this in this gang already, or no? I mean, think about it from the from the people on the streets' point of view. They're like, you know, Hidalgo tells us what to do, but Cole brought Chaz back from the dead. Like, That's true. Or this, maybe this dude knows what he's doing, and he's yeah, also a nice or, guy. I like that. Uh, we could also do something similar to like if something happens and Cole just hops into action instead of them deferring to Cole. You know, like, hey, we should call Hidalgo or whatever, and then Cole just goes and does whatever needs to get done. That way, like, oh, Cole's also a boss. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we see we see his management come out because he, you know, he was a head surgeon. So yeah, um, but we we, see... we need to well we need to show Hidalgo finding this information out though. I think I think I think Hidalgo's along on the raid or whatever, and he's there when the when like maybe he gives an order about something like magic or a cult, and they look at Cole first, and then they look at Hidalgo, and then go do it. Oh, cool! All right, that's good. All right, and then next we have the gangsters are ambushed on a raid by the Sixth Street Gang, and Hidalgo's son is brought in in bad shape. Cole operates on him, but Renee sabotages him and Sonny dies on the table. Hidalgo is distraught and looks Cole and locks Cole up. Sorry. Yes. So this is the this is the descent for the character, or at least this is when uh Save the Cat refers to it as the Dark Knight of the Soul, which is the moment where the hero has things go badly and has to you know has to claw themselves back up for the third act. Yeah, Cincinnati hold him for poker. Cincinnati hold him. <laughs> uh, there needs to be a joke about Cincinnati hold him for poker. One of the guys cheats slash is a rat. They cut his hand off and leave it on the table holding the card. Is that, oh, is that that's cool? Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, that. That's I really like cool. that. Um, <laughs> maybe just Cole fixes it. Like, look, guys, you just can't be cutting hands off here. That's not the kind of gang we're running anymore. <laughs> I can I can never I can never spell. Cincinnati correctly. I think I did. Okay. Man. Well, it's not on. It's not underlined. It's not, but it was briefly. But I think that's just Google Docs being weird. Anyway, uh, um, so your almost typo cost five viewers. Just so you know. No, I'm not kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Hey, you're the writer here. I mean, that's just what. That's. Oh, that's why you got the no. standing desk. Uh, so I can do the comical <laughs> crouch out of frame. Um, yeah. So. This is the moment we needed a moment for Cole to lose Hidalgo's trust and yeah. really like get get in trouble. And I I think we figured out that the best way to do that was to have him fail. Yeah. But in order to keep it so that he's met, you know, he's skilled enough to maintain, it's Renee's fault. She sabotages him. I like um, that. Um how how can this work knowing Cole's power? I think she interferes in some way that nobody catches on. I like that. Yeah, that's a pretty uh, good alternate spelling. I wonder how long you were thinking about that. Um, <laughs> uh, but but his power specifically doesn't allow him to fail. Right. So she maybe gets in the way or something, or somehow, mm. or somehow we we had tossed around the idea in the episode about somehow stealing his power. How she tries to steal his ability or nullify it briefly. Um, mm. Maybe if his if his ability is magic, she hand, so traditional mythology is that iron has a has a weird disruption effect on magic. 
So she tries and like hands him an iron scalpel or something and then intentionally messes him up. Hmm. Then it could get okay. in the way of him being magically skilled. So then this will be the first time he fails at a doctor stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't report to you. Okay. Uh, for those listening to this, uh, Red Flanagan, could you put that back up for me real fast? Yeah, sure. Uh, Red Flanagan just commented that his impeccable comedic timing is only limited to Dylan's display on screen timing, uh, which is true. Dylan, uh, he is a mastermind of timing. And if there are <laughs> comments that get posted, it's because Dylan chose him to be there. Uh, not Nobody because I've actually. Me. Yeah, that's true. So, Except Zach. Um, <laughs> sometimes I also have the ability, sometimes. which I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying very hard to. Do. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so in this scene, we need to have. Okay, so so um, this is Hidalgo's son, right? This is somebody that. Yes. Uh, yeah, Chaz is in love with, and yes. was and was going to take over for the crime boss. Now, we have the potential implication. There is a negative trope called barrier gaze, where you have a gay character die for no other reason than they happen to be gay and be the character that dies. Um, okay, so he doesn't have to die, though. Uh, it's just the doctor has to not succeed right away. So as long as the doctor fails the operation uh, in a way where Hidalgo has to question Cole's uh, either... Because obviously, if, if he... If he physically cannot mess this up and he does so, Hidalgo could easily take this as he's choosing to kill my son. So there could be that thought process. Now, obviously, um, what what's the son's name again? Sonny. So, oh, God. Okay, cool. Uh, true we power didn't, have, we didn't have anything. Yeah. Uh, Red Flanga says, true power lies in the hands of those who host the call and commute all the centers. <laughs> That's true, and honestly, uh, you don't know this because he is standing, but Dylan is wearing a cape, and he takes it very seriously. Um, COVID was a real, real strong power redistribution in the realm of video calls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm not listening to you ever again. Uh, okay, so we don't really need much in that other than Dr. Fails. Uh, Sonny is left in uh, like uh, a state of uneasy. It's, uh, it's unsure if he'll survive. He left in like a coma or something. It could have been a magical operation. It could have been something that uh, Cole has never done before. Yeah. Surgery. Um, so I, I, I want to nail this because this is like a big emotional turning point for the movie. Yeah. It's a surgery Cole has never done. And Renee, maybe Renee gives him the wrong procedure or something. Well, maybe maybe Renee uh, is the one who comes in and, and saves Sonny. And then she blames him. Yeah. And she's like, no, no, no. What are you doing? That's not how you need to do this. And then Sunday starts like taking like a little dip. Like it's like, doo -doo 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 -doo. you know, like the, the EKG meter goes, uh, it's probably yeah, EKG. I have no idea. Um, is that yeah, for sure, whatever. I have, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, That's... maybe Renee pushes Cole out of the way. Cole's like, I, I literally, I didn't know that I could mess up. Uh, and then Hidalgo's like, you're not taking this seriously. This is my son's life. And that way, Sonny's not dead. Uh, the intent still goes. Hidalgo thinks that Sonny, uh, that um, Cole is intentionally messing it up to take over. Yeah. Like, once you get my son out of the way, I'm going to have to name you success, the, the next guy. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen how the people, I've seen how the guys look up to you. Yeah. And maybe, maybe Hidalgo feels yeah, he kind of feels him as like a Jafar. He's like, look, you're just trying to take over. 
Yeah. You just, you're trying to kill my son. You're trying to take over my whole gang. I saw you down there playing quarters with those kids. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're too cool. You're too cool for this. I saw uh, you playing I, Never Have I Ever. Yeah. And you are drinking a lot. Um, yeah. All right. So 19. Cole tries to escape once more, but the spell in his room prevents it. Renee visits to gloat and reveals her betrayal. And the Cole will probably get killed for this. As well as his family. Okay, cool. Yeah, this seems pretty self-explanatory. It's pretty. Um, it's pretty straightforward. She, yeah, yeah, she shows up and she's like, "Ha ha, did it." So, did, is it scene where she tells him, like, "Hey, just so you know, I, I even messed up that operation there, just to show you that you're not great." Like, kind of gloating. I don't think it's that overt, but I think she shows okay. up and says a few things that have like a really strong implication. And Cole's a smart guy, so he's like, "You engineered it," and she goes. Yeah. Never failed before, Maybe. have you? She's like, until either, I was way, either way, he's going to kill your family. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. cool. Uh, is there any more you want to go through in 19? I, I don't think so. This one's pretty straightforward. Um, this is, you know, the hero at their lowest point. You always see this before it pushes into the third act. So yeah. this we just need to show that Cole is messed up from this. All right. Uh, beat 20. Now we have Cole reaches out to Chaz and says he... He was betrayed by Renee. Chaz, distraught, decides to help Cole escape if Cole helps him overthrow Hidalgo. And they agree. All right. So, obviously, Chaz knows that Cole's not a bad guy. Mm -hmm. So, that's why this goes down. Um, what What do you see in the scene? What do we need here? We need a way for Cole to get the news to Chaz. That's the big drive of this scene. We need to show a clever way that Cole gets this information out of his room. Okay. So... We uh now will Hidalgo trust Cole to like just go check up on Sonny? Probably not, right? So no. there's no there's no chance in in Cole leaving the room. No. So Chaz has to get in there. So what I'm thinking this could be is that Cole has been in the magical world for a while at this point. Maybe mm -hmm. he picked up a few tricks and he's like, okay, so I'm gonna pull from my own just kind of like genre stuff. Um, oh, hey, Red, you're, uh, you're a little ahead of the game, kind of, but that's a good idea. <laughs> All right, Red's comment is, if Renee's going villain route, uh, she may, she makes a deal with a demon for a magical operation, trademark, toy, from which is, uh, works as a voodoo doll to sabotage the gang Cole's patient. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, a little, a little ahead of the, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I like that. Um, but I was saying, <clears throat> What if Cole has gotten like some sort of magical knowledge and he's like, all right. Oh, I, I have one early on. We, we introduced some sort of subplot where Cole is like, maybe he likes to journal or something. He, he writes his day down every day just to keep himself accountable. Mm -hmm. And um, Chaz gets him a special pen. Like he gets him a pen. It's a nice pen. He's like, Hey, thanks for doing that. I know you like to, you're always writing stuff down on your notebook. So here's a pen and a notebook. And you don't think anything of it. Cole, who has now studied magic fairly, is like, this pen and this notebook mm. have a link to Chaz. So he somehow does like some sort of sympathetic note where it's like, he doesn't get the exact words down, but he writes something like help over and over again, like over top of each other to lend it weight. And then Chaz shows up and he goes, hey, I figured I'd just check on you. I had this weird feeling. 
and Cole's like, it worked. Okay, this is what's going on. You, okay, so he's clever. I like that. I like that idea a uh, 100%. There is the flip-flop of that, which could also work depending on how you want to tell it, which was uh, the only thing they give Cole is a diary for him to write in. Now, magically, it does transfer to somebody else so that somebody else can read it. And maybe Chaz is in charge of reading that diary. Um, but I do like what you're saying, too. That's cool, too. I do like the idea that they gave him a diary with like a surveillance spell or something where it's like everything he writes gets doubled down on like their watch or something and he knows about it eventually. Yeah. And Chaz or doesn't. And Chaz like, because uh, Cole's not trying to do anything bad. So he's actually writing the truth and Cole's reading or Chaz is reading this thing. And he's like, Oh, he actually wasn't. He's like, Oh, they grabbed the iron. Oh, iron. Why? Ray would know that Iron did, huh, okay, this is pretty interesting. And then maybe that's when he goes. Because I, I, I do like the idea of an enchanted notebook. I do think that it would be cooler um, if it is a surveillance tool. That seems yeah. fun. Uh, so I, I, I said that, uh, if you want to go ahead and read that. Yeah, so we have the gangsters gave Cole a diary with surveillance spell, and Chaz oversees it. He's checking up on Cole and comes to see what's up. The iron tool tips Chaz off. Right, because Chaz would know because he's just in the living this world. Yeah. I think it's cool. All right, uh, and that's cool for 20, right? Pretty much. And then, I mean, it doesn't take much oh, yeah. because at this point, Cole and, uh, I mean, Chaz and all of the other gangsters um, are like, they like Cole enough to be like, yeah, Hidalgo should, uh, Renee's tricky. Should have seen that yeah. coming. But he's but Hidalgo's compromised. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Red Flanagan said uh the yep. journal's a great idea. It's a uh the idea is a great way to advance the plot. I I, I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah, good good idea, Dylan. That's really cool. Um so now we know that Chaz knows that Cole is not a bad guy, he wasn't trying to kill Sonny. Um, and maybe Sonny's still like not a hundred percent well, and maybe somehow uh Chaz smuggles Cole to save Sonny's life a hundred percent, and that gets everybody on Cole's side. Um, or or at least, yeah, I think do you, do you get that? We we can add a scene, yeah, we might as well just add one where it's um Chaz smuggles Cole into Sonny's like convalescent. Maybe Renee's like doing some kind of like uh, anti fully healing spell so that she feels like Hidalgo needs needs her or whatever. Um, yeah. I think that's cool. All right. Oh, cool. Uh, if Cole saves Sunny, yeah. Renee has been tampering with Sunny's health. Cole uses his newfound magic knowledge to remove the unhealing spell and restore Sonny's health and he starts to recover. Yeah. yeah. And then and then uh Chaz is like, all right, you're the real deal. Let's get the boys together. Yeah, I like that. And, then, cool. he, and then he demons out. He demon hulks out. Yeah. Uh, all right, 22, action scene as Demonic Empower Chaz fights the Loyalist gang members with Cole and his friends along with him. Um, yeah, I would, I would also assume that maybe Cole can uh, give gang members subtle enhancements. What do you think about that? Like, he kind of like, hey, here's a couple of vitamin pills that will uh, make your legs yeah. faster. Or, some, yeah, something he has, like, he has some sort of, like, Cole using minor enchantments. 
to now, if, if a do- okay now if a doctor has like magical abilities with with a doctor you know knowledge yeah and say that that doctor had uh the knowledge of um uh what, what's needle therapy acupuncture right acupuncture oh and, yeah like, so let's say that he knows how to use acupuncture a proper way to unlock certain things yeah. and he's like look i'll tell you i think i can do this and now the gang's like cool and you got you got some cool imagery there too of like these guys where he like sticks a knee sticks a, you know they have the needles down their shoulders or something and he sticks one last one in and all of a sudden he like like yeah it's, like you see them physically get bigger yeah and, or yeah. like he does it like in, he does it like in their face and like their eyes get oh, whatever whatever yeah something like that. Um, Hold on, my my mom texted me the correct spelling of Cincinnati. What are my we mom? Still... <laughs> anyway, <Hey>, Mister. <laughs> Unrow, she kept her maiden name, but that's okay. Everybody does it. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello, hello, hello. Jill, anyway, anyway, um, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, they're using acupuncture. Um, any other sort of like magical stuff you could see a doctor doing for this? Um, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think of like things that doctors can do, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think acupuncture is very uh, cool. Yeah, this I can't is live. Think of anything. This is li- this is live, mom. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she's watching this later, going like, "Ah, oh, that's stupid, Dylan. He never learned Cincinnati." <laughs> Um, yeah, I think we can come back to that, but I think that scene's kind of like put together pretty well. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's um, an action scene, which yeah. when you're script writing, um, your action scenes. Uh, Dry needling is the non-spiritual Western medical equivalent of acupuncture. Maybe we see Cole do this, then later we see him studying acupuncture as a subtle build-up to check off his needle. <laughs> Yeah. Check off needle. That's a cool idea. Uh, yeah, I've had dry needling and uh, what they call pistoling and uh, pistoning, and I do not like it. Yeah. Hello. Thank anyway. you for spelling. Thank you for spelling words better than Dylan can. <laughs> Where do you think I got it? Yeah, Clearly not her. Um. So yeah. This All right. Is so twenty-three. Oh. Well, real quick on writing action scenes. Um, because we had we had a fight scene planned out for our short film which had like actual shots on it and um ultimately it's like it's either difficult to oh um it's difficult to coordinate or choreograph that but when you have the budget usually what you do is each line is like kind of a sequence where it's like so-and-so gets knocked to the ground and stuff like that but you don't want to give them too much because if you give them too much you're doing the director's job for them and you don't want to do that yeah. Um, so this action scene is effectively just going to be like, they go room to room, clearing out gang members using Cole's magical enhancements. That's it. Yeah. And it's up to the director, the choreographer, the cinematographer to actually translate that, that to on-screen action. Yeah. Cause like Dylan said, in the movie that he wrote for us, uh, give me back, which we're, uh, checking out one of the edits today. Yeah. We're about to put sound onto it. It's Either almost way, picture locked. Uh, we had uh, we we did build this action scene uh, where somebody dies with a trowel, and then as we started filming it with the director, it's like I don't know if we can actually do this. Like let's let's think of a better way to show it so it's still getting across. So yeah, that's why you gotta leave some things kind of vague unless it's necessary to the plot. That's yes. what we learned out, or else you're just being novelistic with things. Um, okay, so twenty three, they uh, they reach Hidalgo, who's been 
taking demon enhancements from Renee, though, though they're imperfect. When it looks like things are lost, the hero is overcome by revealing it was Renee's duplicity, which kills Sonny. Hidalgo dies and Chaz rises. Red Flanagan says, I don't remember either you or Zach's mom being on Mother's Day stream. How dare they? I don't think we did one on Mother's Day. Um, we definitely put up a talking upstream. You know, we, we did take Mother's Day off. Um, yes, we did. I forget why. I don't actually remember 100%, but we definitely uh, did. You, you had you had specific plans, and then I called my mom and I talked on the phone. Yeah, I had plans. Or video to... chatted something. <laughs> I, I was uh, probably desperately avoiding texting my parents. So that's Yeah, that's good. fair. Um, all right. So anyway, um, this scene seems pretty well uh, tied up. Um, what is... can Renee do? What, what are some things that Renee can do? That so, are imperfect. Uh, rushed part of so uh, full disclosure. I have like a page and a half of the script kind of done, which is that really not much. It's really not much. It's the opening scene between Hidalgo and Renee, and I had started planting the seeds that she is eager to start and hasn't actually done a whole lot of it. So I figured this would be that moment where you reveal that the apprentice has taken shortcuts and it comes back to bite them in the ass. Um, so. I mean, it can be whatever weird magical stuff we want. Um, so kind of the same stuff that what, what Cole is doing, just uh, maybe uneven and yeah. wears off faster. So it's like the magical equivalent of the cyberpunk back alley surgeon, where you get those like cybernetic enhancements, but it gets done in, by like a, a guy who's not doesn't have a medical license, or he's performing it in like a dingy apartment with plastic sheets. It's mm. that sort of thing. She doesn't know what she's... She knows the theory, but she's never done the practice. And we see Hidalgo. Yeah. I'm imagining the imagery that's coming to mind, and forgive me for this, is the uh, bad guy at the end of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen taking too much Jekyll and Hyde potion. And he gets all big and, like, his arm is his arm is mismatched. Like Yeah. So yeah, I, for some reason, was seeing, like, Renee maybe doing her own side studying or side experiments yeah. where she's putting animal body parts onto other gang members sure. and then she unleashes all them. So it's like enhanced dudes with acupuncture needles versus yeah. like guys with jaguar legs. And depending on how dark we want to go, we can have some really kind of like you do magical surgery. You can do some messed up stuff. There are some movies yeah. out there where there's some well, real like brain twisting stuff going on. Well, one of the ideas that I texted you pretty early on in our I need to text as many ideas as possible was uh, it was a biohacking thing. But mm -hmm. I think the way that I tried to sell it to you was uh, these guys get uh, eagle eyeballs put into their own eyes. And because they're designed to see so far away, they have no <laughs> close vision. Um, anyway, we still need to work on that thing. Okay, the, uh, 24. Uh, okay, Red Flanagan just said, maybe Renee has been studying arcane alchemy and treating gang members in limited capacity, but doesn't know surgery. Side plot, she's selling magical prescription designer drugs. Dude, I love everything about that. Yeah. Magical designer <laughs> drugs is something that we either have talked about or need to talk about a lot more. I, I can't remember which one. I have a lot of potential fantasy setting stories that I would love to do. They're not necessarily suited for talking upstream because you have to also develop the setting. Yeah, which we so found we out when we did the uh, that magical 
the cop story that we did yeah. way back when. Uh, the, my my favorite bit of which was that the police chief is a dragon. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I got a, yeah, We got we got a whole bunch of stuff we could do in that. I would love to do an urban fantasy setting. Yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get. There. We have a lot of ideas. We have some cool oh, guests yeah. coming soon. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. I met. Uh, I'm not going to tell. It's it's a surprise. Uh, I met somebody who I think is kind of famous, and they're going to come on talking up stream soon. Uh, anyway, so the person so, you texted me about. I did. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. 24 Chaz pulls some strings and has Cole's death declared an accident, but implies that he'll start sending his injured gangsters to Cole's hospital. Cole's hospital, which is a uh, <laughs> is that a new soap opera that we're gonna create soon? It's a new soap opera where they do supernatural surgeries. Love it, love it. So much amnesia yeah, can happen in magic settings. Okay. Uh, in this scene, Chaz pulls some strings. Pulls out the, okay, so we don't really need to put anything on here, right? Not really. Um, the The main thing we should focus on just right now is like, um, Hidalgo and Chaz need to like fight, they fight effectively at the end, and we should probably have some sort of emotional resolution to Hidalgo. Maybe like, maybe he asks about Sonny, and they're like, "He's fine. Cole fixed him up." Renee's the yeah. one responsible. And then maybe Renee's been doing her own surgeries on herself and she's the one who deals the final blow to Hidalgo and they have to fight her instead. Like That's there's a whole lot of I, stuff we can do. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Hidalgo should be the big bad. I think that it should be a thing where Sonny uh talks it out and they they decide that Sonny is going to take over with uh Cole's guidance. I think that's great. Um, I think Renee being like the big bad who gets away because of whatever, whatever, that's super cool. Uh I'm I'm into that. Oh. And that's all the that's it for that part, right? Yeah, pretty much. All right, 20. All right, so 24, we figured all that out. Um yeah, so maybe Sonny has uh, set up like the the gangster equivalent of a, a government uh, uh, what a, a government contract. <laughs> it's like yeah, and we'll send all the people to coal. Or it's coal just like yeah, um, we're only you know from now on we're gonna send our people to Cincinnati General or where whatever the hospital name is. Yeah, I like that. No. Uh, and then 25 is Cole has dinner plans with his family after a successful operation. So this is the scene where we kind of wrap everything up and we show people like, hey, everything is is honky-dory in, <laughs> in Gangsterville and in Cole's life um, because Cole is dead and they have constant money coming in. Uh, things are easy-peasy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So what we would do with this now, now that we have pretty much every beat set up, what Dylan would do is take each one of those beats and then just kind of fill it in with some flavoring and some seasoning and uh, a little more of his novelistic background to kind of give each scene a little more color to it. And then we would give that, you know, uh, to, we would take that to the script part and then we would add just straight up dialogue. And that's what we would kind of hand to a director and say, uh, let me see what you think about this. And then she says, this is too novelistic. And, uh, <laughs> Then we rework it for uh, six more times, but or either, or we write this and submit it to a script contest, and we either get money or someone gives us notes, or we get promptly ignored, and then we do yeah. it again. And this is the life we've chosen for ourselves, and it yes. never ends until I'm in and, the ground. Yeah, or we have lots of money, uh, which or we be, have lots of money and things go great. 
Yeah, we'll show you pretty soon, actually. Um, but some things that I uh, should let you guys know. Number one, if you still watch this, please hit like, uh, subscribe, anything at all. We really appreciate it. Uh, I, I'm a numbers junkie, and I see these numbers. I see you guys commenting and sharing. And it means the world to us. We really do this uh, for free. Uh, we have a lot of time just making cool things, and we want to make some movies eventually that we would like to see, and we would like to keep creating it with you. So thank you very much for all of your time and attention. Oh. We do appreciate it. Um, the people that we want to thank obviously McManhattan with Scene Snobs. Thank you so much for giving us a platform where more people get to see uh, me talk to my best friend Dylan in front of his mommy, which she needs to know how much I love him. He's a very good kid, and she did a very, very good job. Um, also, Jeff Dwoskin with the Dwoskin Show, uh, live from Detroit. Awesome dude. Check his show out. Um, we have some Patreon people that we would like to thank also. If you would like to support what we're doing and help us take some more time off work so that we can write some more stuff and get some more creative things done and make more movies, because Give Me Back should be coming out pretty soon in festivals. Pretty soon. Uh, yeah, but you can always go to patreon.com backslash some nobodies. Uh, like Sarah Takachek, Tanya Sheck, Scott Curtis with Behind the Bits. Uh, yeah, you're super cute and your son is too. Uh, and also Listener app. If you're into podcasts and you want to see the words instead of hearing them, if you go to Listener app on your uh, app stuff, your store thing, uh, they inscribe the words. So instead of hearing me slur and mumble, you can actually see what I was supposed to be saying. Um, but yeah, and if you want to find them faster, you can go to Instagram at the greatest podcast app. Okay, so Talking Upstream, which comes out every single Sunday, uh, we have a great, great show. Last week, we had Peter J.S. Regan on there. Uh, awesome guy. We oh, created boy, a we? Fi Finally, we created um, Alien Uplift, which turned into Rule of Thumb or something named. Uh, oh. You can see all those things on our YouTube channel. Um, we did. <laughs> Scott, Scott Curtis. Curtis. Give a shout out on every show we've ever done. <laughs> okay, Scott Curtis not only is uh, an award-winning podcaster, he is an award-winning interviewer, uh, which yeah. is best. And he actually just won an award that I told Dylan about earlier of uh, best podcasting grandpa that I know of. So uh, congratulations, Scott Curtis. He is a pappy, uh, uh, and he yeah. has awesome shows. Honestly, if you're into comedy and you want to you wanna know how the comedians came up with the jokes, check out Behind the Bits. Go to Listener app and look out Behind the Bits. You can find that at B-E-H-I-N-D, uh, The Bits. Uh, also, you can check his website out, which is uh, btbpodwebsite.com. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, for real, Scott Curtis has been easily, easily uh, the best oh. friend of us and the show mm -hmm. and has been, uh, I think, our very first supporter. He was yeah. the very first person to uh, say something nice to us, as a matter of yeah. fact. Yeah. Um, <laughs> If you, if you look down on the bottom here, you see a bunch of our shows that Dylan has wrote and I have talked on, uh, and Dylan also appears. Obviously, he is equal parts of this. But you can see all that stuff. You can find all those things and so much more and what we're doing with this project called Phantom Limb over at our website, which is somenobodies.com. We are literally on every major platform for everything. Uh, I think currently we're at like 15 shows. We're on Pandora. Yeah. If, if you listen to podcasts on Finally. Pandora, we're on Amazon. Yeah, it took me a full year to get on Pandora but we did it. Um, you can check out our award-winning podcast, Silicon Angels, which is uh, right down here. Um, yeah. Either on our website, SoundCloud, any of this, Silicon Angels, whatever. Now, what we're going to do moving forward on this show is we do like this format. We like taking cool ideas and not just leaving them back there, working them through. And I asked Dylan earlier which one of the, the, the recent projects we worked on that he would like to continue. And one that he chose, which I'm very happy with, is Red Wichita. Now, if you haven't seen our episode of Red Wichita, go check out our YouTube channel and uh, find that episode. It's a very, very cool concept. I forget 
It's a twitching upstream one, I think. Well, no, I'm gonna. I want to look this up so I can give them like accurate information. Yeah, I think you're. I think it is a twitching upstream. But the concept pretty much is that it was a six part podcast that Dylan and I created, where it is um, similar to the style of serial, where they go to a city where a big superhero event went, and they have to interview people to find out exactly what was going on when a superhero named Superion comes for pretty selfish and uh, devious reasons. Um, it's, I it's, think it's, it's Twitching very... Upstream number five. It aired on uh, February 9th of 2021. Yeah. All right, cool. So you can definitely find that on our talking up, uh, on our YouTube channel. You can probably go to our website and find that also. But yeah, if you want to see uh, how we can put that idea and the cool comments that most likely Red Flanagan asked for, uh, you go to that channel. But starting next week, we're going to start working on Red Wichita, seeing if it might have to change the title. I think it's a cool title. <laughs> um, maybe, who knows, whatever. Yeah, but we'll either way, that's what we're um, doing. Yeah, we definitely really honestly appreciate anybody's yeah. attention. Uh, all the comments, all the shares, super, super grateful. We have a GoFundMe for our movie, which we're really trying to become actual creators where we put together stuff and get things to go. Once we get done with the show, actually, we are going to uh, review our <laughs> our first edit of our movie, yeah. which our great, uh, awesome director, Savannah O'Neill, put together. Um and yeah, so we just want to make some stuff. So we appreciate you. Thank you guys very much and do whatever you want to do. But until whenever you hear us next, which is on Friday, I think for Real Boys or Wednesday for Dwaskin Show or Thursday where I uh, talk to somebody. Um, I have been Zach and he has been Dylan. And you have been great. Goodbye, everybody. Take it easy out there.